Hello, and welcome to Geek Space Nine, the Tuscan Shin Media Network podcast where we discover and or rediscover the classic Star Trek series, Deep Space Nine. With me, as always, is Sarah Becker. How are you, Sarah? I'm doing very well. I went to go see a Willie Nelson concert in Dallas last night. Well, actually, it was the, I don't know, Outlaw Festival something or other. I don't know exactly what it was called, but I also saw the Avett Brothers and Cheryl Crow, but everyone was the most excited for Willie, as I think they should be. Very nice. It was great. (laughs) She sent a very adorable picture of you and your girlfriend. It was pretty adorable. Yes. And with us as well is Peter Dancy. How are you, Peter? I am good, and damn it, I am always the one to like totally age our podcast. I don't care. Uh, tomorrow's the 4th of July, and I go in from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Oh, while it is pay- so, so while it is pay and a half, so I like, you know, like, like, of course, the silver lining of that, I am dreading it because I don't know. It's, it's one of those holidays where you don't know how busy or how empty the store will be, and that scares me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Reta- you're like, do people go a- shop it here in 4th of July? Right. This is a 4th of July store. Retail is a really weird beast for yeah. holidays. Well, certain holidays. Other holidays, is other, other, other holidays like Halloween, Christmas, and Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah, it's totally crowded. But like for the rest of the year, it's like, we could get either or. We don't know. <laughs> it's... Do people want to come here for Easter? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Mm. All right. Well, this week we are discussing season five, episode three and episode four, which are looking for Parmach in all the wrong places and nor the battle to the strong. A lot of long titles this week. So first up is looking for Parmach in all the wrong places. It's a full shipyard on DS9 this week, so let's get to it. We begin the episode with Dax just trying to get Worf to get the goddamn point when (laughs) Worf is smitten by the sight of a beautiful Klingon woman. I'm going to interject here that they were talking about Klingon opera, and it was the best thing. Yes. That is all. I want your opinion on Worf's singing abilities later. Yes. Yes. (laughs) But Worf is suddenly smitten by the sight of a beautiful Klingon woman. However, he is disgusted when she embraces Quark, because it is in fact our old pal Grilka, Quark's ex-wife. Grilka is there to ask Quark for help with her finances, and much to Grilka's bodyguard Thopak's dismay, they become closer than ever. Worf, still smitten with Grilka, tries to get her attention, but he is dismissed as a traitor to the Empire. Despondent, Worf confines in Dax, but is further insulted when Quark arrives asking for Dax's help to, well, let's be frank, hook up with Groka, as she has invited him to her quarters, and he needs coaching. But not in that. Worf, knowing he can only woo (laughs) Grilta through Quark, decides to be his background coach. Cyrano style, baby! After a promising but sexless meeting with Groka, Quark, Worf, and Jedzia recreate the Kalis romantic myth to help Quark out. But Quark is having trouble remembering his lines, finding the whole thing unnecessary. Back in the bar, Thopak questions Quark for Quark's pursuit of Grilka, to which he responds, She is worth all the latinum in the quadrant. And Grilka is smitten by this. Thopak, in rage, challenges him to mortal combat! Once... 
Once again, Quark <laughs> finds himself in the unenviable position of having to face a trained Klingon fighter, and this time he can't choose to throw down his weapon. Worf offers to use some science magic to control Quark's body through his movements, and it seems to work. When Dax asks why Worf is putting in so much effort only to have Quark get the girl, he says it's because he loves Grilka's commanding presence and confidence, which Jadzia likely uses every ounce of self-control to not smack him on the head. Uh. Worf is successful and defeats Topak through Quark, and he gives over Topak's bathleth to Grilka instead of killing him. Grilka dismisses Topak, and she and Quark get it on. Worf shuts off the device, and Dax, who's had enough of Worf's being blind as a bat, starts beating the shit out of him till he finally gets the message. And they finally, finally, finally have sex. Thank the founders. In the infirmary, <laughs> when both couples come in clearly injured from some intense lovemaking, Bashir decides he's just not going to ask for patient histories anymore. Worf notes to Dax that normally this means they'd have to get married, but Dax rejects the idea. Worf is not happy about an uncertain future, but Dax assures him of one thing. He's not thinking about Grilka anymore. Oh, and for some reason, O'Brien and Kira get really intimate with each other, develop feelings, almost act on them, but stop, and everyone feels really uncomfortable. So what do we think of looking for Parmok in all the wrong places? Finally! Oh, my God. <laughs> No, like I like that, and, and that and that last scene where where uh, or Dax and Worf are talking, like, okay, well, we've had sex. What do we do now? And he, and and Worf is just holding her. I literally paused. I literally paused the episode to take a picture of it to have oh. in my notes. It's yes. cute. It's, it's cute. so adorable. So is it that? Klingons really don't have extramarital sex, or is Worf just really conservative? A and B would be my guess. Okay. My guess is yeah. that it's probably, yeah, it is traditionally you're supposed to, and Klingons are very traditional, so it's more than just, you know, traditional Christian values. It's even like stronger than that, I feel like. More of a taboo. That being yeah. said, yeah. would I be shocked if Gowron was sleeping around? No. <laughs> Not at all. No. Oh, um, and Worf has always become. Because I think part of the fun of Worf is that because he's not raised by Klingons, he maybe goes to the Klingon thing a little bit too much. It's something they brought up a lot that maybe mm -hmm. he's like overcompensating for how much Klingonness right. he's trying to be. Whereas, like you know, I bet a lot of Klingons are like, "It's fine, my dude, just go for it. It's fine." Yep. Yeah. And uh, I was reminded of this episode, kind of on that note, Worf always gets so much shit from other Klingons. For, like, he can never not catch a break. being a proper Klingon or like, but, like he's trying. <laughs> he doesn't know how to woo a lady. It's okay. Mm. Yeah, like, I, well, I, apparently I, he does. He's just helping Quark do it. Yeah, right. he, he can't do it in person stuff. because the, because the guy the guy basically told him like, dude, she's out of your league. And I was like, that is cold. Just being told straight up in front of everyone, why are you here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't know about you guys, but I really liked most of this episode because I love romance. And I love sex, and I love Cyrano de Bergerac. And this was all three. So this yes. was, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. When I realized that Worf was going to be the Cyrano, uh, that was pretty fantastic. Particularly because he's like singing Klingon opera to himself, and like 
Cork is a. Oh my god, that was so. That great. was pretty on board. I was he is so not a good it. singer, but that was such a great scene. <laughs> you don't know. Maybe the in Klingon, he's great. That is true. Yeah. Maybe maybe he is considered you know a prodigy among operatic Klingons. <laughs> but and at the same time, I was just so impressed. I was like, I was not expecting this. I am this so is true. here for it. I was oh I I will listen to him sing all goddamn day. It was wonderful. True. <laughs> Michael Dorn went for it. He really did win for it. Yes. So yeah, when it when I I love Groka as well. So the fact that we got Groka back again and they got to consummate their relationship that they started <laughs> at the last time, I thought was really lovely. Indeed. <laughs> I don't know if I would call it lovely. I would call it just like oh that was aggressively raunchy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's uh, that's how you describe Klingon sex, I would imagine, yep. is aggressively raunchy or maybe just aggressive. <laughs> I don't know. Well, the fact that the two other species got horribly injured <laughs> from it is pretty telling of how intense it is. Once again, messy hair, Dax. <laughs> yeah, Dax was totally, to- Dax was totally down for it because he was like, "Okay, I know what's gonna happen." Oh, Dax started it. Da- no, yeah. yeah, like I, I was like, Dax is the aggressor. That's yes. why I liked it because this whole episode like, was a little bit like, oh, Dax, why are you putting up with this? And I liked it at the end. She was like, no more. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. You are clearly blind and you're never going to get it if I don't beat the shit out of you. Yeah. Yes. I, re- I really want, like Bashir clearly does is like, I do not need to know what my friends slash coworkers are doing. But I really hope that someone else is like, so... Like, like, I, I wouldn't mind if it was Kira. Like, like when Kira and Dax are talking, like just between the two of them, Kira just being like, "So, how was mm. it?" <laughs> <laughs> like, just, like, just, I, I, I want, her, I want her to be like RuPaul and be like, "Just between us, Squirrel Girls, how was it?" <laughs> <laughs> speaking of sex, and the, uh, speaking of sexy Dax, to... real quick, I'll just say mm. there's a part where Dax growled. I have episode. that in my notes. I have it too, with hard eyes. Oh, that, uh, yeah, that did things. <laughs> Me and Sarah in agreeance on that one. Yes. What were you going to say, Sarah? Oh, well, I just, uh, if we're ready to move on to the B plot of the episode, we can discuss uh, Peter had a pretty good segue because Kira and Miles. Uh... I'm not into it. Oh. I'm really not into it. Although I think, Ben, we have different opinions, and I would love to hear your take on it. Yes and no. Um, I'm not opposed to that kind of romance, because I think two of the best films ever made are about an illicit affair. Uh, Brief Encounter and In the Mood for Love, which are both similar to this episode where it's two married people who realize they're uh, the difference from those and why I have a problem with this, uh, this particular one. In those, you don't ever see the other couple, and it's pretty clear that they are in bad relationships. Like in in the move mm-hmm. for love, the 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 two of people's other people are already having an affair with each other, and they know that, and they realize they love each other, and they could technically have an affair because their spouses are, but there's still like taboos and stuff like that, and that's what makes it really interesting. Um, great film, one of the best of the decade. Um, and so I'm not opposed to that on principle because it's one of the best those are two great films and i think it's a very uh the sort of emotional affair is a very interesting idea i just think this is a problem with star trek vague uh, uh, uh lack of continuity or you know not 
tenuous continuity, I guess would say, because there's always continuity, but like the fact that it's one episode to the next and it's like, but I know O'Brien loves Keiko. You know what I mean? That's the problem with it. And that's yeah. the thing. That's my biggest problem with it is imagining Miles with anyone else besides Keiko just doesn't work for me. It's just immediately like I, it, it's, it's like, it's like whenever I watch like, again, like any other TV show or any other movie and I can just tell awkwardness is happening and I'm trying to find every reason to not look at the screen. Right. Yeah. And I think because there hasn't been like problems at home or anything, I get what they were going for, which is like that when you're around someone for a while, you haven't been around, sometimes feelings can come up that you don't expect, you know, I think it's happened to a lot of people, but it's also a show. (laughs) It's also a narrative and it's also a B plot. So I think inherently you have to dumb down any sort of, cleverness you can do with that and i definitely knew they weren't going to end in like a poly relationship or anything like that so i knew it was just oh, going to no, be although i i have a note here that says you can't tell me this isn't poly right it just the oh yeah it, it was Ke- to the, the point thing is that keiko is so chill thing. with it that is the thing is that it got to the point that it was so ludicrous i thought keiko was actually trying to have them hook up right yeah like when she was like go to you know the 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 pl- the Go to Bajor with the house and the go hang out alone, the two of you, for two weeks. Just go. And I'm like, no. I thought for sure we were going to get a Why sequence where Keiko was like, you've always been a good husband and I understand and should go explore this. And I thought that was coming. And I was like, oh, oh, oh no, this. Like, but it is Star Trek. And, and yeah. it's also the 90s. Like that was I know, not I know. going to happen. That's just wishful thinking between the three of us, because all of us are just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure, I'm all for alternate families. It's just right. Uh, yeah, like I think if I thought Keiko was actually okay with the idea, of no, she was just comically and, and Kira being together, unaware, then that would be okay. But unaware. the fact that she is comically oblivious is not cool to me. No, and let's be fair. If you know you're in a relationship and the other partner is interested in someone else, you could tell. People are bad oh, yeah. at hiding yeah. emotions. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So like it, it, it just was like kind of insulting to Keiko that she was just like so oblivious to the whole thing. I agree. It was it's, getting a little like too. No strong. one, literally, no one is that blind ever, ever. Yeah. So that's where I disagree. It's like I, I don't hate the idea altogether, but like that definitely doesn't work for those characters at all. Yeah, that's 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 mainly what it is. Is is like I, I don't have an issue if you know it could have turned into a polyamory story. That would have been great if Miles and Keiko were really, really, really having problems, and this was a way to separate them. That would be okay. But they're not. They repeatedly demonstrate that they are like the perfect couple, <laughs> and therefore, I don't want them to split up. Mm-hmm. And I don't want O'Brien to do something stupid. Totally, totally agree. That's why I don't like the movie Imagine Me and You, which you would think that I would like it because it has, spoiler alert, it's Piper Parabo and Lena Headey as lesbians. But the way it works is that Piper Parabo gets married to a man, but Lena Headey is the florist at their wedding. And then they fall in love and end up being lesbians together and she leaves her husband. And I'm like... 
part of me feels like I should want to like this, but I don't because, like, her husband is a good, decent human being. Right. And she just leaves him. I'm like, no. Yeah, that, that happened with uh, in real life with uh, one of the writers of uh, Orange is the New Black, where she left her husband for uh, a woman who plays person who died season four spoiler who say um and it was like people were like oh it's amazing i'm like i'm very glad they're happy but it's also like yeah but a guy got divorced like it's kind of yeah, like, like yeah. Kinda shady, still a, little sad bit, stuff. a little sad it's not and like again, all around depends. great happy yeah. story you know like everyone and it does like depend on the context like if the relationship is flawed or you know the one of one of the people is you know, abusive or something, then of course leave, get out by all means. But in the case of Imagine Me and You, there was nothing wrong with that relationship. She just like, oh, changed her mind, fell in love with someone else, bye. (laughs) Mm -mm. Uh, Let's move on from the cheating storyline. Yes. And just quickly mention Worf is my enemy now. He will always be my enemy because he hurt Morn. Wait a minute, remind me what happened there? He he, he goes up to Morn and he goes, I'm sorry. And he throws Morn off and he's like, don't you talk to me like that. And like that's how he starts like his conversation. That's right, he's trying to seduce Grilka. Yeah, he he pushes poor Morn off of his bar stool. (laughs) Oh, also, before... I hope he bought him a big vat of prune juice or something. Oh, he better have. If not, then yeah, we're all all showing up at at Quirks and we're like going to punch him in the face. (laughs) Also, I just want to know, like, totally random trivia bit, but I just thought, but like, I just caught on to it because I was like, that's a funny thing to just bring up. Worf wears a size 18 boot. It's a big mm. boot. It's a big boot. That's a big boot. Yeah. Some big socks. Also, I, I like mm-hmm. that during the fight, uh, Quark's uh, magic device stops working, and so he goes, let me do the Ferengi tradition of a long speech. <laughs> yes. Goes on a rambly speech till so it comes back. He's like, all right, never mind. <laughs> okay, cool, and Groka lets him. <laughs> yeah. I, I do think that's that's a little bit sweet. As, as repulsive as I find Cork to be, I think it's sweet that somebody did actually like fall in love with him. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's why I thought it was cute. Yeah and, yeah, and it was an interesting, and, it, and it's an interesting way for it to end, you know, just with like Klingon lovemaking, because because I because I literally wrote in my notes like verbatim, did we just go through a major intense BDSM scene, sexual encounter with Groka that he with the he he quirk was wholly prepared for? It seems he liked it though. Quote: Who's been a bad Ferengi? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like that happened. I was just like. Okay. Yeah. Also, yeah. one last note for me. Uh, while I didn't like the O'Brien Kira stuff, there was a cute moment where Odo was teasing Kira, which was quite adorable because oh, Odo yeah. teasing Kira mm-hmm. is quite cute. Yes. It's like, yeah. It's like when did he? When did he become bra- When it's like when? When, when did? When did he not? When he stopped calling him chief? I was like, whoa. Hmm. <laughs> That is true. I'm glad that Odo and Kira can be friends. Yeah. Same. Must must be Odo's going through a lot of shit right now. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> Some really crazy shit. And we still don't know if he has a penis or not. <laughs> it matters. It matters. 
right. Is there anything else to say? No. Uh, Parmok. No. I'm not repeating that title. Not again. for me, no. All right, good. I think we're good. All right. <laughs> Next up is uh, Nor the Battle to the Strong. It was a very classic Star Trek title. Mm-hmm. What is this? Deep Space Nine having a fun episode? Let's get back to what the show is really about. Mentally destroying good-hearted people. <laughs> this time, it's Jake's turn, as he is accompanied by Dr. Bashir, as he is writing a piece on the good doctor. However, they are interrupted by a distress call from Agion Prime, where the Klingons have invaded, restarting the war. Bashir wishes to go, but doesn't want to take Jake, who convinces Bashir to go so he can write about real war. However, his enthusiasm fades when he enters the field hospital inside a cave and sees all the dead and wounded. One man is brought in claiming to have been shot by a Klingon disruptor, but Bashir discovers it is in fact a self-inflicted phaser wound done by the soldiers so he could get off the battlefield. Back on DS9, Sisko is concerned about his son and decides to take the Defiant himself to save them when Starfleet reinforcements are destroyed. The Doctor and crew amuse themselves with morbid humor despite it seeming like there's a high possibility they will be overrun by the Klingons any second. Jake is shaken up and he asks Bashir how it could be that a trained Starfleet officer with months of Hollowsweet battle training could be so cowardly to shoot himself. To which Bashir reminds Jake that nothing can truly prepare you for the real war. Suddenly the hospital is shelled and loses power. Without a backup generator, many patients will die, so Bashir and Jake decide to go to the runabout to get some generators. On the way back, on the way there, they are shelled, and Bashir seems to be hit directly. Jake, consumed with fear for his life, runs away. Jake runs into a wounded soldier. Quickly, the soldier realizes Jake ran away, and Jake desperately tries to save his life, thinking he must have ran there on purpose to discover the soldier and save him, but the soldier dies of his injuries. Jake goes back to the hospital, and Kirby, one of the nurses, is happy he's back. He tells him that Bashir survived with minor injuries and managed to get back to the base with a generator, but Bashir assumed Jake was killed, and he is happy that Jake is alive. Jake, destroyed by his own cowardice, lies that he was turned around in the firefight on accident. Jake talks with the ensign who shot himself, and while they do find a common bond in realizing war is tough to deal with, the ensign is suicidal and offers no solace. During another round of macabre humor, Jake lashes out at the pointlessness of everything happening, but refuses to still admit the truth to Dr. Bashir. He goes off alone to cry. He is awoken by an explosion as he discovers the Klingons are storming the compound and everyone is helping move the patients. In his fear, Jake cowers behind a desk as Klingons storm in. A soldier is killed and his phaser lands next to Jake, who wildly fires it in a panic, which collapses the entrance to the cave and knocks him out. He is awoken to his father, who says that while Jake's move was extreme, it stopped the Klingon forces and saved all the patients. The Klingons have also retreated, and the battle is over. Jake writes up his experience with full honesty, including his cowardice, and his dad reads it. He commends his son for saying things that many people on the battlefield face, but are too scared to write down and admit. He embraces his son and tells him that he's proud of him. What do we think of Nor the Battle to the Strong? Dude. Yes. Jake did some growing up in the, in the span of 40, mm-hmm. 45 minutes, dude. Yep. Like, like yep. that that's a very interesting circumstance to 
walk into a situation where shit has not only just hit the fan, but it's hit the fan, it's hit every single wall, it's on the floor, it's on the ceiling, and you are pretty much bumping into everyone who's in the room, but you didn't know that they were in the room because all you see is shit. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what'd you think of this episode, Sarah? I think I would have liked it better if it didn't have the Jake voiceover narration throughout. Yes. yes. That was, it was a little overdone. I don't know if distracting is the right word, but it just felt out of place. For sure. For sure. It, it comes to my big thing in this movie. Uh, first off, happy 100th episode, by the way. Hooray! Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. This is our 100th episode. So congrats for us and for you and for everyone and for Star Trek and all over board. Um, my big problem with this episode is a big problem I had with the movie Midnight in Paris, which is a great film, but then I was sitting there going, oh, that's what the theme of the movie is. And then a character says what the theme of the movie is, <laughs> and it kind of ruins the entire thing. And I think that's part of the problem with this too, is that from the voiceover, as well as a couple of dialogue choices, uh, this is a very interesting intense smart episode that is kind of ruined by characters explaining why is it intense and smart and that was my big problem this episode is that you know jake finds a soldier and it's like oh he's trying to save him because you know he feels guilty that he ran away and then the soldier tells him that before he dies (laughs) the soldier literally says you are trying to save me because you feel bad because you ran away okay i'm dead and it's like Mm -hmm. It's it's a little bit heavy handed. Yeah, like I, yeah. I didn't need the joke explained. Now now it totally does not land on, at all. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's my big complaint with this episode overall is that. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit confused. Maybe, maybe I just missed something somewhere, but I'm a little confused as to why the Klingons are attacking at all. Like I know Gowron told them, you know we're at war and so forth but then i thought they like had a truce going or something did that not affect this group of klingons or do i have it wrong um from what i can gather there was a ceasefire which just means that Mm -hmm. we're not an active battle but doesn't Mm -hmm. technically mean the war is over do you Mm -hmm. get me so and I think the whole point of this was that the skirmish was pointless. You know what I mean? That was the big thing about it. Was like yes. no battles gained, nobody needed to attack, nobody won or lost other than men, you know. Mm. It was a really and that happens a lot in war. Like that does yes, happen of in course. war where it's like ceasefires will happen and there'll still be battles. That'll happen right. a few yeah. days later just because various reasons. So I think that's what they were going for, but I agree. It was very confusing. We had a whole episode that was like, it's over. And then it's like, it's not over. It would have definitely been a much better season four episode. I agree on that. Where it's yeah. like mm-hmm. right in the middle of the Klingon War. Um, Honestly, I really didn't have very many notes on this episode. I don't know if that means it's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, Oh, they uh, they did mention the Farragut, which... Um, yes. In, uh, in the 2009 Star Trek movie, Uhura says to Spock that she wanted to be, or that she had been assigned to the Farragut, but instead she wanted to be assigned to the Enterprise. Yeah. So Farragut's been around a while. That's interesting. And it is destroyed yeah. off, off screen in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yes. LOL, don't tell Uhura. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, one note I just want to bring up is that the uh, title actually comes from uh, the Bible. 
Uh, mm-hmm. It's a quote from Ecclesiastes 9-11, fortunate number. But uh, I was going to read it just real quick. And I'm going to read uh, verse 12 as well because I think it fits in as well. Because I think it fits in with the themes of the show. Uh, so this is Ecclesiastes 9-11. Welcome back to Sunday School. I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to the men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happen to them all. For man also knoweth not his time, as the fishes that are taken in an evil net, and as the birds that are caught in the snare, so are the sons of men snared in an evil time, when it falleth suddenly upon them. So just an interesting ancient... So what does that mean? It essentially means that the battle isn't won by the strong, that riches don't go to men who are necessarily deserving of them, that basically life is mm. unfair. Like, it's essentially saying that... Okay. Life, life, yeah, it, that's it. Life is unfair. It can be really fucked up, and sometimes you shit happens. Right. And just because you're strong yeah. and brave doesn't mean you will win the day. And Yeah. So, so, for, so from Jake's perspective, even though you are Starfleet does not mean, even though you are Starfleet, even if you are trained in that, trained in that mindset, even if you are tested before you're even allowed to join, does not mean that you're automatically going to be brave and you know exactly what to do when you need to do it. Right. Life is crazy. Yeah, no. And I think that's the one thing that's the good part about this episode is he never finds his courage, at least in this battle, you know, mm-hmm. that he is shell-shocked, you know, and it's like legitimately he's shell-shocked and he just can't handle yeah. it. And yep. it's just mm-hmm. something that does happen to real people. And I think it was maybe not explored as well as it could. I think that's a problem. So this episode kind of tap dances on some interesting themes, you know, but never kind of settles into it. Never kind mm-hmm. of never digs them. deep, you know. And uh, instead of, I know, I guess exploring the theme, they just hand it to you. Yes. <laughs> this is the theme. <laughs> Interpret as you will. I particularly <laughs> found the ending also very uh, neat. neat. Yeah. Do you find it neat as well? Because it's like, I know we're bad with the continuity and O'Brien probably should have constant PTSD from all the things that have happened right. to him. He should be a non-functioning human, but like we need him to be a character. So I get why we mm-hmm. sort of ignore some of that. But like, it definitely felt to me like, I don't know if it was a choice in the director or a choice from Sherlock Lofton, but it was like, he felt like he was like, oh, okay, I'm forgiven. And it's like, I don't know, it's still some heavy shit that should weigh on you. Yeah, you know, like. Yeah, I mean, we, we've we've had two we ha- we've had so many episodes where where we'll get to the ending and it'll be like yeah the it'll be like yeah the situation is resolved but it but it but if you like look at the character's face and how they're like actually reacting in like the last five seconds of it before 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 they cut to like outside the space station to show the credits and you hear the music how it takes like kind of, kind of, like kind of that dip into oh this is major key minor key actually sorry about mm. that it's like that should, it's like that should have been how this ended like even though cisco was like i'm proud of you jake jake should have been like yeah hug actually i'm still kind of freaking right scared. that's that's why i'm surprised there wasn't a shot of Sir right. lofton like it's a very simple shot you could have done where it's like you show him, you know, uh, Benjamin's face as he's hugging, and then you cut to uh, Jake's face, and he's like smiling, and then the smile fades, you know, and it's yeah. not okay, yeah. you know, and it's just a momentary release, and that's all you needed, right? So that's what I mean. Mm-hmm. So it was just like pet, and just felt like, yay, Jake, you survived. I d- I did I did like though how um how they they, they how it, it it was it wasn't even just 
Cisco, who, who who Jake was like, here, read my re, re, read my recounting of the crazy stuff I went through yesterday, uh, crazy stuff I went through last week. Like you, you also got a, Bash- a shot of Bashir too, like reading the pad and you put it down, like oh my god, <laughs> like. Like you, you, you got like a sense that like okay yeah he's he's even coming clean with the guy who took with the guy who was there with him, to show him like hey, I really don't know how to say this to your face necessarily but this is the best way that I can tell you I am so sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing I did like in this episode is I thought it captured the feeling of an army hospital pretty well. Uh, yeah. With the felt like yeah. mash without all the jokes. Very mash, very mash. Yes. With like the morbid humor and the uh, the constant flow and the exhaustion that's weighing on you constantly. Mm. You know, I thought that was a yeah. Maybe you're ripping off one of the most famous shows of all time, but hey, it's a good show to rip off. <laughs> it's a good show yes. to take from. Yeah, I, I call I called it a mashup of mash and ER and unlike on, on on like a code black level where everything is just going wrong in space in space <laughs> space hospital ah. one of the doctors has a blue face mm. <laughs> well i guess we're all pretty uh pretty mad this episode is there anything else yeah. let's just say for it i don't think so i think my only other notes were little things like Sirak Lofton is taller than Alexander Siddig by now. No. <laughs> that was kind of cute. Yeah. And uh, I have um, there's there was a moment when Dax was starting to get really upset it must have been when um she was talking about, you know, her her son, her her, her previous life's child that had died. Oh, and um, she like oh, starts yeah. getting really upset. I'm like, no, Dax, don't cry. And the later's like, Jake, don't cry either. Right? Yeah, I was just like, I was just like, okay, the old. I was like, the the old the old man still got stories to tell Cisco. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, that's another thing I did like in the episode was Cisco's genuine concern for his son was really yeah. sweet. Right. There's like a little bit where he's on the Defiant and he's like constantly trying to fix things that don't need fixing because he just needs to occupy his time. So he's not constantly worrying. That was just like a nice little moment. Yeah, and I, yeah. And I, I also, I also like the moment that he had with Odo, where where Odo was like, "I don't understand. Does your dad still worry about you?" And and Six was like, "Yep." And it was it was like a continuing. It was it was like a continuation in the le- in the lesson of humanoids for Odo. He was like, "Oh, I just didn't realize. I am so sorry." Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I think that has been our episode this week. Next week, we will be discussing Season 5, Episode 5, and Episode 6, which are The Assignment and Trials and Tribble-ations. As I love it. always, I want to thank my lovely co-host for joining me every week on this journey. Our theme song is by Captain Meatshield. You can check him out on Twitter at CPTN underscore Meatshield. Our awesome artwork is by Joe Bowen. We are a part of the Tuscan Shed Media Network. You can see more of our shows at TuscanShed.com. If you like this show, like, subscribe, rate, and review it any way that you can. It helps new listeners discover our show. Until next time, this is the crew of Geekspace 9 signing off. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening.